invite me to present my ministry because what he's saying is true. We, we just, just in the last couple of weeks announced this to our church and we're not even, our church hasn't even approved to send us out yet. That vote doesn't come until Sunday night. This coming Sunday night is when our church is voting to send us out as church planners. So we just came to visit some friends because one of the young men uh, from our church is getting married in Indianapolis. So we took an opportunity to come up here and spend some time with Tim and Dana before we went over to the wedding. And so um, I'm here tonight, and I'm, I'm glad to present the ministry. I, I, I really am. Uh, but it's still, it's still in its infancy stages. I'm still the pastor at the church there. We're still working on getting things taken care of and... Um, you know, the, all the things that, necessities that take place when a pastor leaves a church to go out and start a new ministry. And so we're excited about it. We're, we're, we're um, a little anxious. I've been at Boulevard Baptist Church since 2005. I became the associate pastor and I worked under Dr. Terry Williams for uh, almost 12 years. And then when he retired after 33 years at Boulevard Baptist Church, the church called me to be the pastor, and I've been there for a little over six years as the pastor now. So a total of 17 years at this church in the ministry. And so this is going to be a big change for us. My family knows this church. This is where we grew up. But when I look around, Brother Tim made a very good point. When I look around at the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, you can't help but notice that there's something happening. I... I took the liberty to look up some information this afternoon. The state of Idaho, the state of Idaho in the 2020 census had 1.7 million. So right now your state is probably about 2 million people. About. In the Dallas-Fort Worth metroplex, there's two counties with more people than that. Two counties. In the 13-county metroplex, there's two counties with over 2 million people in them. The Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, by next year, will be at 8 million people. That's just DFW. It's going to be, for decades, the Houston Metro was the largest Metroplex in Texas. But in the last couple of years, the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex has passed that as the largest Metroplex in Texas, with 28% of the population of Texas. 8 million people. They're coming in, and they're coming in fast. Uh, the area that uh, Brother Knudsen was talking about is there's an area just, just west of the town that we minister, our ministry's in there. We live in Burleson, and in, there's a town that west of us called Crowley, and then Fort Worth. How many of y'all ever heard of Fort Worth before? Okay, Fort Worth, South Fort Worth, and West Northwest Crowley, where they come together, they put in a new tollway a new tollway about seven years ago. They put this tollway through fields. There was nothing there. The tollway, when you drove down the tollway seven years ago, you basically drove through the middle of the country. You go over there now, and there is entire communities. There is a hospital district. There are shopping and entertainment districts. There are, there's two colleges Two satellite colleges going in just south of a 40,000 house communities that's in that area and no churches. You want to know why no churches? Because it all went up in the last five years. Every, every time we drove through that area, there was 
a thousand more houses sitting there. And that's just one area. So what God's done is He's laid it on my heart. I, for, since 2018, I have been working on trying to begin church planting out of our church, out of Boulevard Baptist Church. The men and I, we got together, we agreed, we need to start churches in Texas. There's 8 million people right here. We need to reach these folks, all right? It's great. Our church sends out about 90 missionaries. We support about 90 different missions works out of our church. But if we're not reaching the people in our own backyard, how good is that? And so we have 8 million people. We have, we have more people in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex than many countries have in them. And so we're trying to figure out a way to reach these people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, if you come down there, if you come to Dallas-Fort Worth, you're going to drive through the metro and you're going to see a lot of buildings with steeples on them. A whole lot. But the, the difference between a, an organization that's religious and a church is vast. There's a big difference. And, and I'm not trying to be critical of anyone or any people. I'm just saying the gospel is really what's important here. And if we're not, if we're not seeing churches going out and starting more churches to, to preach the gospel and reach the people in the communities... We're really not getting the job done. We're not doing what we're supposed to do. And I personally believe, this is my conviction from what I've studied and found in scriptures, that the only organization that has the authority to start a church is a New Testament church. I don't think that you can just go out on your own and say, you know what, there's a community over here and there's a lot of people and there's no one there. I'm going to just go over here and start a church and, and I think I can do a good job at that. Well, we believe in the authority of the local church. We believe that. And so in order for a church to have authority to start, it needs to be sent out of an organization that has authority. And so we believe that ascending church is required. So we're going to um, approach this um, ministry in a very special way. Um, after 17 years in the ministry of Boulevard Baptist Church, I'm very familiar with the Dallas-Fort Worth area, its people, its needs, the other churches in the communities. This is going to be... Um, some people have different ideas about what a church plant should be. And that's because there are different ways. Right? Some men go out to plant a church they start the church and they stay there for the rest of their life and they pastor that church. That's not right or wrong. It's just how God chose to use them there. It's not better than one way than another way. Okay, It's appropriate. There's nothing wrong with that. But God's laid a different ministry on my heart. Um, the One of the reasons that a lot of churches are not sending people out to start churches is because it's hard. It's a hard, starting churches is a, a hard thing to do. And you need a good church that is going to stand behind you. And you need someone that's willing to invest the time into it. And then take that time and put it into someone else who could take over that church and move forward as an independent, fundamental, New Testament, King James Version, Baptist church. Okay? So the ministry that my wife and I are, are getting to be or beginning to start here, is a ministry of church planting. Uh, we will find an area in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, 
like the one I've told you about, and we will go there and we will start a church with the help of the churches that are within a 15-20 minute drive of our area. Independent Baptist churches. And they will partner with us to have services, to get to go out and reach people, to, to provide um, certain resources to us to get this baby church started, to give birth, to give birth, to have this church and to start this church. And then after a period of time, whatever, whatever time that needs to be, two, three, four years, another man will come in, I will train him, and I will turn the church over to him, while at the same time, beginning to prepare the, the ground, the soil, for another church plant in the community. So this won't be, I'm going to go plant a church and I'm going to be done with it. I'm going to go plant a church in North Crowley, South Fort Worth, and then probably the next community that we're going to go to is McKinney. There's, there's two churches over uh, north east of McKinney that have voiced major concerns about a vast area just like the one I've mentioned to you that needs a church. So I'll go up to that area. And then those churches in that area will help us start a church. You see the process? And then when that's done, we go to question mark, wherever that is. But I can spend the next I can spend the rest of my life, the rest of my ministry planting churches in Dallas Fort Worth and still not be enough. So my, my goal is, is to do this, but also to encourage other men to do this in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. And can I say something else? Encourage your church to do this in Idaho. If you have people moving here and you have communities coming up, like Brother Knutson's telling me, you're going to need more churches to reach these people. If you don't, the Mormons will. If you don't reach them with the gospel, someone else will reach them with a lie. And you have to be proactive. You have to be uh, ready to do those things. I want to encourage you tonight with these words to, to get you to uh, think about what God's doing here. Here is the, the title of our ministry is this, Taking Christ to Texas. Taking Christ to Texas. That's the title of our ministry. And here's the passage of Scripture that God's laid on my heart to help me try to convey the idea of church planning in Texas that I have. This isn't, my, this isn't the, um, the text for my message tonight because Brother, Brother uh, Knudsen told me I had till 9.30. Is that right? No? Okay. Some of you are looking weird at me. Okay. We'll, we'll figure out a place somewhere. But this is the passage of Scripture that God laid on my heart that kind of helped me to understand um, from Scripture where, where my heart was for the people of Texas and the people of Dallas-Fort Worth. Romans chapter number 10, verse number 1 through 4. Here's what it says. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God, and here's what the Scripture says, for Israel. Now, I've just taken Israel out and put the word Texas in there. Okay? I'm not, not in my Bible. <laughs> right? I didn't change my Bible. I just changed it in my heart. I put the word Texas in there where it says Israel. Romans chapter number 10, verse number 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel slash Texas, Texas, is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to the knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about 
to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. And I looked at that passage of Scripture, and I read that passage of Scripture, and I said, you know what, there's a lot of people in Texas that think they're good with God because they live in God's country, Texas. No? Okay. I, I, people have asked me questions about Texas, and I said, of course, it's the greatest country in the world. I may, I may have a little Texas boldness here, but I do love Idaho. Your pastor's been showing me around. Uh, we've been spending some time here. You, you folks have a beautiful state. Absolutely beautiful. I've enjoyed every bit of it. Uh, it's magnificent, and, and I'm thankful to be here, and I'm thankful to have an opportunity to come through and, and visit your state. But God called me to Texas, right? So I need to love Texas. I need to, I need to have a heart for the people of Texas, and your, your pastor needs to love Idaho. And he needs to have a heart for the people of Idaho. And he needs to work with the people of Idaho. That's how God works in the hearts and the lives of men. And you see that in the Scriptures in Romans chapter number 10. So I'll just ask you this. Pray for, pray for the ministry of taking Christ to Texas. This coming Sunday night, this is how new this all is to our church in, at Boulevard. Now remember, I've been the pastor there for over six years now. So when I announced this a couple of weeks ago, well, imagine. <laughs> um, so there was some excitement. Some people were excited that I was leaving. Some people were excited that there was going to be a new ministry. And, so, and there was some disappointment at the same time. So pray for this ministry. This coming Sunday night, our church will vote to decide whether we're, they're going to be the sending church for our new ministry. I, I, I believe that will be successful, but we have to go through the proper protocol to make that happen. So you guys really are, nobody outside of my church has, has heard this yet. So congratulations, you, whatever that means to you. <laughs> Romans chapter number 7, let's look there tonight. Romans chapter number 7. I tried this one on Katrina earlier and it didn't get much of a response from her, but I always like to liven things up a little bit before the service starts. What do you call, what do you call a belt made of watches? What do you call a belt made out of watches? Well, that would be a waste of time. <laughs> if I'm not, yeah, I believe. She didn't, yeah, she just looked at me like, that's what you got? That's what I got. See, there it is. Romans, or excuse me, yeah, Romans chapter number 7 tonight. Um, let me just start by saying this. We're, gonna, we're not going to be long. I'll, I'll just have a few things I want to say. Um, when, when my wife and I made a decision that we were going to come up and visit Tim and Dana, the conversation went back and forth between the ladies and Tim and I. What are we going to do when we get there? Right? What, what do you want to do? Where do you want to go? What do you want to see? You know, what the, you know what the response was to many of those questions? I don't know. I don't care. What do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? Have you ever tried to figure out where you're going to go to eat before? I made the decision that I'm going to become a millionaire. I'm going to invent a restaurant, and I'm going to name it I Don't Care. So whenever somebody says, where do you want to go to eat? And they say, I don't care. Well, here we go. We're going to go to I Don't Care. Right? 
And if you, got, if you say that's where you want to go, then you're going to sell food and it's going to be great. But we, we went back and forth and we talked about what we wanted to do. And, and, uh, and sometimes we made up our mind. We went, and got, we went and did things. And other times we just drove around in circles until we decided, well, we've had enough of that. And we went back to the house. <laughs> Making up your mind. What, what does it take to make up our minds? You know, there's a lot more important decisions in life than where I'm going to go to eat and where we're going to go spend the afternoon. Those are fun decisions, and, and there are some important decisions in life. I'm not trying to minimize some of the things that we need to make decisions about. But when it comes to spiritual things, those decisions require much more decision-making and input than, well, I'll just do whatever I think I need to. Or whatever, whichever way the wind's blowing tonight, that's what we're going to do here. You can't make those kind of decisions for your spiritual life. There needs to be more than that. Or you're going to find yourself in a lot of trouble. I want to talk to you about, for just a few minutes tonight, the title of my message is called, Make Up Your Mind. Make Up Your Mind. When we try to make, when we try to consider decisions in our life, the way we've made up our mind is going to carry a lot of weight in how that decision is made. How we make spiritual choices, how we make the spiritual choices in our life, is affected by the condition of our mind. It is. The, re, the way we make spiritual choices in our life is really affected by the condition of our mind. If our mind is in, a good, is in good shape, then we're able to see things as God presents them to us. We're able to clearly open our eyes and make decisions that are effective for us and those around us spiritually. When our mind is muddied by the things of this world and fogged, by the, by the variety of ungodly things that can come into our life. We find ourselves making spiritual decisions very inappropriately. So we have to decide, how are we going to make up our mind? The first thing I want to, see, to show you tonight is there's a battle. There's a battle going on in your mind. Romans chapter number 7. This is a hard passage of Scripture to read. So when I mess it up, don't make fun of me, Okay? But it's the right one to look at tonight. Romans chapter number 7, and verse, we're going to read verse number 14 and verse number 23, and we're going to talk about the law, the law of the mind, the law of the mind. Romans chapter 7, verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would do, Excuse me, for the good that I would do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that, that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind. You hear that? Warring against the law of my mind, 
and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is my members. Father, be with us tonight as we look at these things. I pray that you just help us to understand the importance of how we make up our mind. Give us clear direction tonight. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. There's a battle going on in your mind. Did you know that? Many of you have probably fought some very difficult battles. The Apostle Paul here, he's writing about it and how he was dealing with it in his life. He said, look, I'm going to just be honest with you, Romans. Um, I have some trouble. When I try to make up my mind to do spiritual things, you hear the way he started this this, uh, part of his conversation with them? When there's some spiritual things that I need to attend to in my life, there's also a carnal thing that's keeping me from trying to move forward with the right things that God wants me to do in my life. And therefore, there's this battle that starts. God's, God's showing me what He wants me to do. God's revealing to me what He wants me to do. He's given me scriptures. He's given me clear uh, motivation and inspiration about how I should be living my life. But then when I look at it and I say, you know what, that's really not going to pay off if I conduct myself that way. I find myself questioning what God's told me I should be doing. That's a battle. That's a hard-fought battle. So we see that there's a lot... There's a a law of the mind that creates a battle. And what wins in the battle of the mind is going to be one of two things. What wins in the battle of your mind is going to be one of two things. Either the spirit or the flesh. One of the two is going to win the battle. And when you make up your mind to do something, whatever wins that battle is going to determine what that decision is going to be. So we see that there's a law of the mind. Next we want to see in Romans chapter number 8, we're going to read verse number 5 through 11, (coughs) that there's things to be mindful of. There's things that we should be mindful of. How many of you have ever made a decision and there were consequences that came from that decision that you didn't like? Well, some of you, man, you've been pretty good with your life. (laughs) I've made decisions before. I've I've thought about things, and and I've seen something, and I've made a decision about it. And then later I look back, and I'm like, wow, that cost me. I bought a Jeep. (laughs) I love my Jeep, but boy, has it cost me. What do we consider in our mind? when we're getting ready to make decisions. Listen to Romans chapter number 5, or Romans chapter number 8 and verse number 5. It's going to explain it to us here. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you, Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, 
He is none of His. And if Christ be in you, the body is the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwelleth in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by the, His Spirit that dwelleth in you. What is He saying there? Verse number, what is that? Verse number 5? I can't put it any clearer than this. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. And they, and excuse me, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Make up your mind. Make up your mind. I'm going to live my life how I want. I'm going to go after all the things that I desire. I'm going to fulfill all the um, uh, exciting adventures that my heart and my mind can acquire, can can conceive, and I'm going to live my life, and it's going to be great, and nobody's going to tell me otherwise. Well, I'm going to tell you something, my friend. If every decision you're making in your life is after the flesh, you cannot please God. You cannot. That's what the Bible says. I didn't make that up. But if you're thinking about things, if you're thinking about um, decisions that you're going to make in your life, you know what I... You know how... I'm a pastor, okay? So let me just tell you this. It really concerns my heart when there's a member of a local Baptist church, God-fearing, Bible-preaching Baptist church, and a family or a member is involved in that church. And they come to me, and they say, Pastor, I got offered this great job on the other side of the Metroplex. And it's a lot more money. And our family's going to be able to buy that new house we want. Yeah, that's funny, isn't it? Not in Texas, you ain't. Get that new car. Put the kids through college. Man, all these things are going to be great. Just think of what we can do with all that money, Pastor. Well, have you? is this what God wants you to do? Well, why wouldn't he? Look at all the money we're going to make. What do you, how are you making up your mind on that decision? And I'm bringing up this topic and I'm, I'm approaching this subject because this has happened in my church. And those people go and they take the job and they get out of the church that God wants them in. Um, anyway, they, they made a decision about what, what kind of mind they were going to have to choose the things they were going to have in life. Now, friends, I'm all for you making more money and tithing on it. I think God's people should be blessed. If you work hard and you do what you're supposed to and you live according to the standards and practices that are in this book, then you should be blessed financially. You should be able to take care of your family. You should be able to afford the things that you need in this life. But if it's going to take you away from what God's really wanting you to do in your life, maybe you should reconsider that thought. Reconsider that thought. Find out where it's going to take you first. What's going to win the battle of your mind? What's going to determine? In my Bible, it says that if you're carnally minded, it's death. But if you're spiritually minded, it's life and peace. That's what my Bible says. See, how we, conspir- how we consider 
spiritual opportunities depends on the maturity of our mind. You understand that? Do you know that you can... <laughs> before I became a pastor, before I got into the ministry, I, my wife and I were married. We had a house. We had a son. And um, I, worked, I worked in the general public. I worked in manufacturing. I worked at plants manufacturing large equipment. And I worked with men that were 55, 60, 65 years old, but had the mind maturity of a teenager. John Brim. I'm going to tell you, because does anybody know who John Brim is? I won't use him if anybody knows him. He, he lived in Fort Worth, Texas, so I'm pretty sure I'm safe here. This guy had to be late 50s. But the man had no maturity of mind whatsoever. Everything that happened to him was everybody else's fault. All the decisions that he made were right for him, but everybody else was just against him. He was absolutely immature in his mind. And the Bible talks about that. Go to, go to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. Just a couple of verses and we'll be done here. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. We're going to talk about the maturity of the mind. How we consider spiritual opportunities depends upon the maturity of our mind and what we know about God's plan to accomplish His will in our life. First Corinthians chapter number 3 and verse number 1 and 2. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. You know what God's trying to tell the folks here at the church of Corinth who were going through a lot, a lot, a lot of spiritual problems? This church was a mess. It was a church though, it was God's church. He loved it. He cared for it. He wanted good things to happen in this church. And this church was, a, was an absolute mess. And you know what the Apostle Paul is saying there through the inspiration of God? He's saying, look, I'm trying to get you guys to grow up, but you won't because your minds are still infant. All you can have is milk. I can't give you any meat because you won't, you won't allow your mind to move to a place where it can make spiritual decisions that are mature. That are mature. There has to be a maturing of the mind for spiritual decisions to be the ones that God wants us to make. It can happen, folks. It's complicated for God's people. Stay with me. I'm almost done. Just stay with me for a second. It's complicated for God's people to come to Christ, to sit in a church where the truth is being preached for 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 years, and they're still spiritually the same maturity level as they were the day they got saved. That's complicated, folks. How many of you, if you had to make a, a, an important decision in your life, 
I mean, you, this was a major decision that was going to affect you. It was going to affect your children. It was going to affect your family, maybe even your community. How many of you would go down here to the daycare, into the two-year-old class, and start asking for advice? I hope nobody. You know why? Because their minds aren't mature enough to give you any kind of answers at all. And for us, as God's children, to try to make spiritual decisions as a baby is going to be very complicated. So I'll summarize this idea with one statement. Grow up. Grow up. It, 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 doesn't, it doesn't take a miracle. It just takes you, it takes the child of God to have a desire to want to do greater things for God and make up their mind about things that God wants them to do spiritually and not carnally. You've you got to make that decision first. And then when you do, then when you make that decision, then you have the opportunity to, to start going out and accomplishing things that God wants for you and for your life and doing the things that God needs for you to do the way God wants you to do them. Because you're going to be mature enough to make those decisions. Am I, am I talking in circles here? Or is this making any sense? Some of you ain't going to make it till 9.30, so let's go. Go to verse number 3 of 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. First we see that in verse number 1 and 2, that spiritual speech settles the mind. One of the things that, before I read these next verses, one of the things I wanted to tell you about these first two verses is that he said, I'm trying to speak to you folks. I'm trying to speak to you. I'm trying to counsel you. I'm trying to educate you. I'm trying to mature your mind. Spiritual speech matures the mind. One of the things that you can do to mature your mind is come to church and listen to what the pastor has to say from the Word of God. Take it in and allow it to make changes in your life. That, that's one of the ways you can mature yourself. The next thing I see here is that carnal cravings, carnal cravings confuse the mind. Look at verse number 3 and 4. For ye are not carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and division, are ye not carnal and walk as men? For while one saith, I am of Paul, and I, another, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? Here it comes again, that battle of the mind, that decision-making time. What's, what is going to be the factor in your life, in your mind, that helps you make decisions? When you allow the carnal things of this world to be the guiding, motivating factor for your decisions, you're going to get confused about what God wants you to do. You will. Because when you're thinking about all the things of this world, and God's speaking to you about spiritual things, a lot of times they're not going to coincide. When the things of God come into your life, they may take you a completely different direction than your life goals will. How are you going to make those decisions? What's it going to be? Finally, let's look at Philippians chapter number 2. Okay, okay, I get you, you crazy Baptist preacher from Texas. You've been spitting and stomping and snorting up there all this time. Just give us the gist of it. What are you trying to say to us? I'm trying to say, if we're going to make spiritual decisions that God's pleased with, we have to have the mind of Christ all there is to it. Look at Philippians chapter number 2 and verse number 1. 
If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be, what's your Bible say there? Like-minded. Having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Do you see in that passage of Scripture there how many times that God told us what's going on in your mind? What's going on in your mind? Are you thinking about how is God going to use me in the work, in the ministry, in my church, in my home, in my community? How's God going to use me there? Or are you looking at the world and you're looking at your life and you're thinking, how am I going to get everything I want out of this life? Mind of Christ. That'll make the difference in how you choose, how you think and consider what God wants for your life. Do we struggle with carnal ideas and doubt? Fearing? No faith? That's carnal. A baby, that's what a baby does. You know what happens when a, when, when a, when a, when a little kid hears a noise in the closet? What do they do? Daddy, 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 there's a monster, there's a monster, there's a monster. Does dad come in with his gun drawn and pull the door open thinking there's a monster in that closet? No, because... Hopefully they're mature. They come in and they think, well, the little guy heard something in the closet. Let's, let's, get, let's calm him down. Is your mind mature? Or are you looking at life and saying, you know, I know there's things that I could do better for God. I know there's more that I could accomplish for the things of Christ. And I'm going to take myself and I'm going to make my life mature and I'm going to spend my time growing myself spiritually so that I could do things and I'm not living in fear. And I'm not living in doubt. I'm, I'm, I'm focused on the things God wants me to do. Or do we strive with spiritual uh, do we strive with spiritual minds, excited about how God will accomplish His will through our life? You know what happens when people have mature minds and they want to make spiritual decisions? They're excited about this. This thing that my wife and I are fixing to go out and do, this ain't what we signed up for. <laughs> OK? I pastor a church. I pastor a good church. A strong church. And when God came to me and He said, you've been trying to start churches and that hasn't worked out. Why aren't you just going out to start churches? I had a choice to make. My carnal mind could have said, I got a a ministry right here, God. I I have all the things I need. My family's here at this church. My mother-in-law and father-in-law at this church. My mom and dad are at this church. My, My children are at this church. My friends are at this church. Why would I go anywhere else, God? I could have looked at it like that, and I could have, in fear, said, you know, if I leave here, there may not be a a lot of the things that I enjoy now may not be in our life. Or I could have looked at it and said, this is exciting. All those things are true, but this is exciting. God's going to use me to go out and start new churches? And accomplish great things for the kingdom of God? Wow. 
I, at first, I didn't know if I could do it, but then my wife said, you know what, in the Scriptures, God used a donkey. He can use you. I said, thanks for the support, honey. It's all in the... It, what kind of mind do we have? We're going to have an invitation tonight. Brother, Brother Tim said we can have an invitation tonight. We're going to have an invitation tonight. And I want, to, I want to just challenge you. Think about this. What kind of mind do you have? If you need a stronger mind, search for the mind of Christ. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd be with us tonight, Lord. I know that...